This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today's episode is sponsored by Prevenex. This is where I get all of my multivitamins and supplements specifically for you all listening. I want to recommend the Joint Health Plus. It not only relieves joint pain, it also protects your joints so that you can have longevity in this sport. Try it out for 30 days. See how it changes the way you feel and you will be a believer too. Go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Today you're listening to episode 275 and this is the last of the little four-part coaching series we have done. We've caught up with some coaches every other week and this is with Megan and David Roach. You may know them from their book, Happy Runner, and they are coaches at Some Work All Play. Megan is the 2016 USATF Trail Runner of the Year at the Ultra and Sub Ultra Distances. She's a five-time national champion, a North American mountain running champion, and a six-time member of Team USA. The really cool thing about Megan's story is that she graduated from Duke University with a degree in neuroscience and received her MD from Stanford Medical School. And now she's doing a PhD in epidemiology, focused on population health and genetics for athletes. Okay, wow. She also just completed um, an FKT that she actually shares all about over on Patreon. We caught up yesterday um, after this podcast episode. We, we recorded this episode about six weeks ago. Um, and just yesterday, David and Megan hopped on the phone with me and we did about 25 minutes over on Patreon. So if you love this episode, you'll get to hear more over there if you support at patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. Um, okay, David is the 2014 USATF Trail Runner of the Year at the Sub Ultra Distance. He's a two-time national champion and a three-time member of Team USA. He graduated from Columbia University with a degree in environmental science and received his master's degree and law degree from Duke University. These two have been through a lot of school. (laughs) I love their coaching philosophy and how they approach life with so much positivity and Man, so many great athletes are coached by these two. And I know you're all going to walk away from this episode feeling just a little bit happier and definitely encouraged. All right, friends, before we get started, look, the Donna Marathon campaign is underway. I am so excited to be partnering with the Donna Marathon again. They, this will be my third, no, my fourth year partnering with the Donna Marathon and they're going virtual in 2021. And what I want to tell you about, first of all, the Donna Foundation supports those walking through breast cancer and also supports groundbreaking research for the disease. They partner with the Mayo Clinic and they do all kinds of great work. Um, They have three events, okay? Yes, the marathon weekend is in February, but they actually have a 5K coming up October 24th. And then they have the marathon weekend, February 12th through the 14th. And then they have a Mother's Day Your Way race 
which is also May 8th. Okay, so when you complete the Fearless series, the 5K coming up here on October 24th, the Donna Marathon weekend, February 13th, and the new Donna Mother's Day Your Way race, which, by the way, this is really cool. They invite athletes to swim, bike, run, surf, yoga, Pilates, however you want to complete that activity that weekend, that is how you do it. Any form of exercise that you love qualifies. Most importantly, I love supporting the Donna Foundation. So if you're looking for some virtual races and events to hold yourself accountable and also support a really impactful, important organization, consider registering. Go to breastcancermarathon.com for more information and use the code Lindsay5 to get $5 off your registration for any of those events. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Megan and David Roach. All right. Well, today on the podcast, I'm excited to have David and Megan Roach on the podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Woohoo. Thanks so much for having us on here. Yeah. Thank you so much. We admire you immensely. And it's just an honor to finally get to talk to you on here. Yeah. I've been wanting to have you guys on. And when we decided to do this little coaching series, it's like, okay, perfect time. Um, When I interviewed Claire Gallagher, we talked about you guys a little bit in that episode. And now I'm super bummed because I have on my list to read Happy Runner and I haven't yet. And I'm really mad at myself right now. Oh, no, this is perfect. The mystery adds to the allure. So let's let's go with that. That's such a big deal, though, that you guys, I mean, beyond everything else we're going to talk about, you are authors. That's a big deal. Congratulations. Oh oh, thanks. Well, we kind of, we wrote that book sitting in this lazy boy in our 300 square foot studio apartment in California. So it was very much just like a journey and grinding away. And honestly, it feels like a long time ago that we wrote that. And Megan was- and I, like when we first met, talked about like a, a rule that we say yes to things mm. really quickly. Um, and so we said yes to something. And then we're like, what did we just commit to? Um, you know, at the time we were like, we don't even know what we're supposed to be talking about here. Uh, <laughs> you know, does the world need a running book from us? Um, so we tried to make it a totally different thing where it was just like, you know, starting from the premise of, you know, you are amazing, whoever's reading this. Um, and that doesn't mean that you accomplish something that means that, you know, you're, you're living, you're showing your spirit, all these other things. And so, uh, we went from there. So it turned into like this, uh, Buddhist on mushrooms related to (laughs) book. So I'll take it. I mean, it was fun to write together, though. Yeah. I feel like we learned a lot about each other in that process and editing each other and going back and forth in our works of writing. That's so true. I learned so much from you. How did that work, though? Like, are different chapters written by one of you and other chapters written by the other? Or do you go back and say, hey, I don't like how you said that? What does that look like? Should we release our secret? <laughs> we've actually, we've never discussed this before. I'll be honest. I think we're, we're all about honesty here. We, different chapters were written by different people. And, but I think we edited it so much between the two of us that it's probably hard to tell um, who wrote uh-huh. what. But I'm curious. I, I think people might be able to. We were unsure what our voice was too when we started writing. I think we found our voice in the context of writing. And now we're much more confident with putting out the message we put out. So when we were writing everything started as this raw material that uh, ended up just getting shaped in such a different way that I think it was all incorporate. It all got mixed together so much that it was like a gumbo, you know? I you wish can't... I wish we could save the editing comment bubbles that we made oh, back yeah. and forth to each other because we had some great dialogues and certainly a, a lot of expletives and <laughs> yeah. going back and forth with each other. No, yeah. I, I think Megan, Megan was super patient with my uh, 
<laughs> my attempts at jokes on the first round. I think the first <laughs> edit, like the first cut of that book um, with the unedited jokes probably would have gotten us canceled like 10 times over. So I'm great. I'm greatly appreciative to <laughs> my best editor here in addition to my partner. Well, it's good to be married to someone that can be totally honest with you, right? Oh my we God. had some brutally honest comments back and forth, but I, I actually told David, I was like, I feel like you're just tossing some jokes in here, so I'll take them out. Yeah, that yeah. way it like makes the editing process easier, so I have something to edit. You know, with writing, they say, kill your darlings when it comes to uh-huh. editing. And so uh, I, I just was like, maybe this is my darling. No, Megan, uh, she also does the same for me on every article I ever write, where she comes in and not only, you know, does it with her scientific background, make sure that all that's airtight, mm-hmm. but mostly comes in and... Uh, checks all of my attempts to insert humor into places where there should not be humor. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and I think the book was where we really found that I thought we found a much deeper partnership and, you know, I think the book would be a different, would be slightly different now, but only because we wrote that first one. And, um, so yeah, I'm really happy we said yes, even though, uh, it turned into like a a little bit wilder ride than we were bargaining for. And you're so right. You guys said yes to this podcast right away too. It's just part of your life motto. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a little different. That's like, do you want to win the lottery? Yes or no? (laughs) That would be the yes. We're not going to be like, well, we'll wait till next week to win the lottery. It's like, no, (laughs) we want it now. I think our motto is we'll say yes and then figure it out. And oftentimes we've had some adventures figuring it out. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I think that if we write another book, maybe we'll just call it figuring it out. I like that. I love that. That's so good. You guys will most definitely write another book. I totally see it. And I think that authors say that a lot. They're like, oh, if I would have done this, you know, now opposed to then, like these are all the things I would have done differently. But that's what the second book is for. Um, Okay. So speaking of, you kind of mentioned Megan bringing in her scientific background. Uh, One thing I want to talk about before we really get into the coaching stuff is, is your backgrounds, because I think it's so interesting that David, you are a lawyer and Megan, you went to med school, you're a doctor, but then you chose a different path after graduating. And so I would love to hear you guys kind of talk about how you found your way into the career that you're in, in today. David's pointing his fingers at me first. Yeah, she's, she's the one that's like an astronaut. So let's start with her. No. Um, yeah, so I went to med school. And during the process of med school, I was studying so much that David, when he was a lawyer, was like, I need something else to do. He's like, you know, I need something to do while you're studying. And so that's how he started the swap coaching business. And I think my third year of medical school, I actually started coaching with swap. And I just loved coaching so much. I found I learned more from the athletes I was coaching, honestly, than I even learned in medicine. Like it was just like a beautiful mix of physiology and psychology and life philosophy all in one. Um, So ultimately decided to defer going to residency um, and am now doing a PhD in epidemiology while coaching. And it's funny, when I started epidemiology, most people didn't know what epidemiology was. And now it's become (laughs) much more relevant in this COVID-19 world. And your epidemiology research is largely focused on running, which Mm -hmm. I think is super cool because it feels back into everything else. Like, like what are some of the things you're... So epidemiology is essentially population health. And I feel lucky in that I got to choose athletes as my population. So I look at um, the genetics of sports injury. I look at bone stress injuries, red S. Um, right now I'm doing some mental health and COVID-19 um, related studies in athletes. And so it's been fun to bring that athletic focus into the science work that I do and kind of just like intermix everything. Yeah. Megan is so smart. Like she, it's so funny when she was saying that timeline, I'm looking back at the development of some work all play, like the people we coach and stuff. And even though we coach people separately, you know, we always are talking about it. 
and where she joined is like a seismic shift in the in the trajectory of it all. And I think it's because, you know, one, she lifts up like emotionally and stuff, but two, it's just she brings in a, a critical mind that is is like makes everything when it comes to running training and developing athletes long term make more sense, not just make sense in like an empirical methodological way, but make sense in a cellular way, a genetic way, um, all the different type of systems that we're looking at physiologically. So, um, yeah, I'm like never I'm always like, Megan, does this thing make sense? And she's mm-hmm. like, David, here are eight studies that are about that thing. Um, and so it's, it's been great to learn from each other. Well, thanks. Well, it's been fun. I think often we have these conversations over dinner. We'll just be like sitting there eating pasta, talking about random things related to coaching and science and physiology. So it's, it's really fun to have a partner who's doing this too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a full package. You just, you don't see that a lot that, you know, you have two, you have two different, very different people, but you also have this like medical background that most running coaches just simply don't have. I mean, you can do research on your own but you are trained, you know, and clearly interested in this. Um, and if, if I were an athlete being coached by you, I would feel very trust. Like I would trust you with, with my questions because most coaches just don't have that background. It's a big deal. So I'm curious, David, like how do you learn from Megan as far as that stuff goes? Like, cause you started coaching first before her. So like you were, already interested in the physiology, I'm sure, and all these things, but you've clearly learned a lot from her. So what does that look like? So we had always like coached each other, you know, and gone back and forth on these topics. And I think through a lot of trial and error, yeah, yeah. All that. <laughs> in many different ways. Um, and so, you know, I think it gets back to our backgrounds initially in that Megan went to college to play field hockey. I went to college to play football way back in the day. Um, So we were coming at it as blank slates where we had an idea of what the overarching framework was of running training, but only in a very um, two steps out. Like we were looking through a keyhole at the running, running training world. But I think that was the ultimate blessing because we took nothing as like dogma that was you couldn't break. Um, so everything we were, we learned, we learned anew. So, you know, we started from scratch, like as we started out and then it got more and more into it. And, um, you know, then once I, and I was I always been a science guy, um, in, mm. in overall. And then when I got to, I was a lawyer and doing public interest environmental law, Megan was like, you know, when I came to her, I was like, Megan, I, you know, you're working at 10 PM at night right now. I want to support you. I want to be here with you. I don't want to just be watching Netflix and making oh, you feel bad. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and she's like, David, you know, coaching is always been your calling. And, um, you know, so she encouraged me making that leap. And then from there, it's like anything else in life, you know, you just do it, you grind. And I think that if anything characterizes us as like coaches, it as like behind the scenes, what we're doing on our end, it's like not being afraid of the grind, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna try to work as hard as we can, um, every day we can to, to learn what we can, but also to, um, understand what we don't know and let curiosity guide us. And so what Megan, what Megan showed me is that not knowing things is a blessing and it's something to lean into. And you fill those gaps little by little, rather than being like, I have all these gaps filled. And, you know, if, if I'm contradicted in something because something is wrong, it's like, no, no, we're learning as we go. And so I hope we're a better coach six months from now than we are right now. And I can't even imagine where we were seven years ago, you know, 
So, well, I think real quick, what I've learned from and what I've seen from you is that you've taken your law degree and you've taken the process of doing legal research and applied that to running in a way that I haven't seen anyone do before. And I really appreciate that. So David writes for Toronto Magazine, and he's able to do lit searches on scientific um, articles related to running physiology so fast. And I can see that law background coming in. And it's really neat to think about how you've integrated that background into what you do today. And I mean, it's like, it's faster research than I've seen anyone do. And it's <laughs> like it's like fully comprehensive too at the same time and so it's cool to see you work all of that into coaching yeah so i hope we're kind of like um you know the power rangers in in that they would oh, all yes. put their fists in the middle and become the megazord at the end so you know i i hope we're kind of like a, a two-person little somewhere and and then incorporating all of our, the pink power ranger uh i don't know <laughs> we might have to we might have to have uh you know, rock, paper, scissors, or pink. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can do that along with our friends and mentors and everyone else. That's so good. My kids will appreciate your Power Rangers reference. We have that on a lot in my house. It's still a thing? I was just going to oh, say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. It no is. Idea. Yes. And in the evenings, I'm like, guys, we're not doing Power Rangers. It's too loud. There's too much going on. We need something quiet. Yeah, my kids <laughs> love the Power Rangers. I know. I didn't know it was still a thing either until, you know, my kids were old enough to watch it. Um, oh, my gosh. Okay, so what I love so much about this is that, well, two things. One, if I were you, Megan, like working at 10 p.m. at night, this is a flaw in me. And, and my husband was sitting around watching Netflix because he'd worked all day, but he was done and he could just hang out. I could see myself being resentful, like, oh, I'm like working my ass off all the time. But I'm hearing that you probably weren't resentful like me and that you were encouraging David when he said, I want to, you know, step up and, and do something too. And the other side of that, I love David that you were like, well, I don't want to just like sit around and do nothing while you're working all the time, where I think a lot of people would just like really enjoy that downtime. That's really unique that you guys did that. Yeah, I think. For me, what sets David apart is that he is one of the more efficient people I've met in the world. So if David puts in a solid eight hours of work, it's like equivalent to 12 hours of normal uh -huh. people work. So he has fully earned that Netflix time. But I think what I saw was that he just was like a born coach. I think there's certain people that have that mentality. And when David told me about this idea for coaching, it just fit. Like I could see him translating this passion towards coaching and just like running with it. And that's, you know, that's what he did. And it was so cool to see. Yeah, but it was never going to be, it was never supposed to be what it is now, right? Sure. Like, it was a total accident. Um, I you know, said this to Megan and then was like, hey, how do you think about this turn of phrase? Some work, all play. And she's like, whatever. That's great. Sounds awesome to me. I like it. Megan is the most, is, you know. And you're like, I'm going to set up a dot blog thought website, which yeah. is a great yeah. platform for launching a business. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I'll coach anyone for free. Um, <laughs> and then put out a Facebook post and like, I, I actually went back and like deleted some old social media history because I'm like, that stuff is cringeworthy now. Like to look back and be like, I'll coach anyone for free. I don't really, you know, I'm new. So, you know, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're, we're really thankful the most is for the people that believed in us. You know, that includes our athletes mostly, but also everyone outside that. Like, you know, it's so easy to want to like, tear someone down or cut someone off at the root, no matter what that world is. Like I couldn't see other coaches being like, who is this guy? Why does he think he can do this? Whatever. Um, unfortunately we didn't have to face too much of that, at least like out in the open. And the, um, the first athletes joined, bless their souls. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know what they, and they're, most of them are still around, which is so cool. I was going back and like 
you know, there's athletes that are like day 3000 of their training log or whatever the number is, um, that had great results on FKTs this past weekend. And it's just such a moment of reflection of like, you know, going all in for other people too, um, like other people doing that for us and hopefully what we're, they know that we'll do that for them too. Um, and that's kind of what we hope to do with coaching is like, and, and, and that's the one like seed that was planted then that even while everything else has changed stays is like, we can't promise much. Like we, we don't know the future or, and we don't know everything, but like we can promise like as close as we can get to unconditional support. Okay. So let's talk about it. But first real quick, what coaching platform do you use? We just use uh, Google Drive spreadsheets. Do you? Uh, That's a lot of yeah, work. So it, the reason we use spreadsheets is we like it to be more of a life conversation in addition to a training uh, like platform or dialogue. So um, we have one whole cell that's dedicated to life conversation. And often that's the biggest yeah. cell that athletes are writing. And, you know, that's, that contains the most. Yeah, work. I'll look over Megan's shoulder sometimes. And, you know, we, tr- we keep everything confidential unless it's specifically said it can be shared, shared among both of us. But I'll see, like, people will write, like, dire like full like entries and it's and it's because you know that's amazing it's trust and friendship and everything built up but our main idea is like we want to try to take away as much of the of the barriers in communication as possible and so some of the platforms are great Mm -hmm. but for some athletes there might be a slight barrier there so you know we totally would use a platform i think if you know it wasn't working as it is but right now like our main thing as coaches like we want them to know that we're communicating all the time in the most efficient way possible rather than like wanting them to upload every GPS mm-hmm. file that we need to see, you know, it's like, we'll get that, we'll get what we need from Strava. Um, and you know, do the other types of things in, in more qualitative ways than necessarily trying to put it all into boxes. So they log it on the spreadsheet as well. And then, or do you just follow up on Strava and you see, check their logs that way? So we have a bunch of different um, columns within our spreadsheet. One contains like the plan, the training plan that we have for the athletes that will list like the, you know, whatever workouts they have or easy runs or whatever. And then they write what they actually did. And then they write, um, there's like a column for injuries, um, a column for like how the workout went and then a column for life. And it's fun to see how athletes distribute things across all of those different columns. Sometimes there's like pictures that show up in there or jokes or all kinds of things. Oh my God. Yeah. I wish, I think some of the logs could be published books and be the be bestsellers. Like it's amazing to see people's brilliance shine in ways that you know they might not get to as an accountant or whatever their life or a teacher or a stay at home parent or whatever their job is. So um, you know it's it's really fun to get see to see people's spirits shine through daily contact. And I think that that's that's how we try to do it is as close to every single day as we can. Like um, because that that builds the intimacy and trust that we hope to like be like a backbone of what we're doing is like if people are writing all that stuff to Megan, you know, that comes probably I'm, I'm guessing because Megan is, she showed, she showed up for 500 days in a row or whatever it is. I love that so much. I love so many things about that. Um, and I love that you say that it could be a book, what they write. I was, um, typing out like an Instagram post, I don't know, a couple months ago and I said something and I don't know, somehow I called myself a writer and my husband was just making fun of me, like dogging on me. He's like, you're not a writer. What are you talking about? I was like, I am a writer. I am putting so much thought into what I'm writing right here. And it's an Instagram post, but I am a writer. Damn it. (laughs) Oh my God. Actually, I love that point. And I, I, to everyone listening, you are a writer. If you write, 
right. just like you are a runner if you run or, or you view that yourself in that way and um you know whether it's Ernest Hemingway or someone that's just starting out like we're we're all practicing you know putting ourselves out there and expressing our genuine spirit and so some people's genuine spirit will intersperse with practice to be a best-selling author because that's what they want to do for other people it leads to the most beautiful blog posts or the most beautiful Instagram posts like I'll read Instagram and be like wow, that is incredible. And, you know, so while like, I mean, it's one reason why we try not to emphasize the idea of a book too much because mm-hmm. books are great and all, but that's a lot. That was luck and circumstance that led to a book that sells some copies. Like, you know, what, what I am much more proud of are Megan's Instagram posts or like my weekly articles are the things that are just a product of putting yourself out there when there's nothing like coming the other way. Well, I think the thing with Instagram too, it's actually very challenging, like distilling, like capturing all of the points mm-hmm. that you want to make into mm-hmm. a single paragraph along with a photo and like really getting at like the honest, real truth of the day or the experience or whatever it is, is challenging. Like mm-hmm. me, like after we wrote a book, that's some of the hardest writing is like figuring out how to be authentic, how to be real, but also in like 200 words yeah. or less. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a real challenge. Oh, and I think it's art so true. Is, and art is just like being like, okay, this is this thing called existence and this is how I experience it. And that goes for like writing, goes for actual paintings and things. It goes for rap music or whatever you're into. Um, and that's what's so cool about like your Instagram posts is like, this is life as I experienced it right now. Um, and I hope that that's kind of what the log allows people to do is, you know, fill in that gap in their lives to a certain extent, if that's meaningful to them. And I mean, right now there's three athletes on the team. I'm like, you need to start writing a book. Don't worry about a publisher. Don't like you need, this is an absolute necessity in the world. Um, and so actually one of them's at our house right now, uh, working (laughs) who's, uh, downstairs right now. And I'm just like, you need to write a book. Like this world needs to know your story needs to have your voice. Um, and so, yeah, we say a lot of things outside of running in the context of a coaching relationship. I mean, do we get to know who you're talking about? Oh yeah, it's she'll be she'll be so? yeah yeah. So um, Amelia Boone comes over and hangs out with us on Tuesdays. So we have in this new work from home COVID atmosphere. She's our work buddy on Tuesdays, and our dog Addie. Like I feel like she knows when it's Tuesday. She's like Amelia, <laughs> it's gonna be a great day. It's Addie's workout Tuesday because she flexes the love muscle so much. Yeah. I thought it might be her when you said that because I I don't know what I was looking at one of your Instagrams earlier when I was like kind of prepping for this and you were talking about your new podcast and she was like, does it count that I'm a guest? Cause I was downstairs while you were, <laughs> something like that while you're recording it. Um, speaking of your podcast, I listened to a couple episodes today and um, I heard you were, you know, talking about Lizzo. So do you guys like rap music? What kind of music do you like? We like all music. We love Lizzo. I think so. We we sometimes drive from California to Colorado just because we live in both states. And I think we've done that drive purely on Lizzo before. So <laughs> we're we fans. Uh, but we like all music. I mean, I think I'm pretty open to everything. We said this on our podcast yesterday, except for country music. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we definitely we definitely share a lot of playlists with each other. Yeah, my embarrassing, not embarrassing. I I own this. I listen to WAP like a hundred times in a row on my run today. What so. is it? Is that how you say it? I don't know. WAP. I don't, I don't, this is probably going into places that are outside my pay grade. Um, but you know, the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, uh, okay. song came out. Okay. That is the ultimate greatest song of the moment. So yeah, I mean, we're, but I think it, it gets back to how we try to experience life in general. It's like, understand that like some things may not be for us, right? Like written directly for us. 
Um, like country music, for example, just because we don't like it doesn't mean that it's not brilliant in its own way. Um, and for whatever reason, I think both of us see rap music or, or Megan has a really sophisticated music taste and she sees all genres as like speaking to some experience. And so it's super cool. And so, yeah, if, if the listeners know, know the song I'm talking about, they'll think that's very funny in the context of how I'm <laughs> music too is I spend a lot of my life brainstorming like ideal band names and so I I have a thing for thinking about really creative band names so I'll be out there running thinking about like how to string together three random words to make a fun band name <laughs> I, love I love that oh my gosh well I keep talking about it on the podcast but I just finished Daisy Jones and the Six have you read the book no. no, it's so good. It's like about a band in the 60s and it like it has all the members in the band talking throughout the book. Um, but they talk about the songwriting a lot in the book. And it may I mean, I already appreciate music a lot. My husband and I are big music people. But now I'm like just feeling it even more because every single song is like written about, you know, like I'm listening to Taylor Swift a lot right now. And I'm like every <laughs> single thing she writes is just like literally about her actual life and it's just it's so cool I'm like that you put that out there to the world you're like sharing your life through your music oh my I love that and the creative process in general like we try to encourage everyone it's like create that does that doesn't mean that you're creating a piece of writing or music or anything just means you're living your life in a way that opens yourself to the world um so just go for it like don't worry if it's any good like or whatever good means because that's totally not up to you yeah i think what we love is just figuring out like the creative process and seeing how different people go about diving into that creative process and what i love with music these days is like through YouTube and social media, people who are really talented can shine. And that's that's how Lizzo got started. Like she mm -hmm. was a YouTube star. And it's cool to think about how it's just like the combination of creativity and hustle and just like putting yourself out there. And it's fun to follow that process in musicians or artists or whatever. Yeah. And just like what we tell athletes that do this because like are doing this outside of running, um, even though running could be an act of creation, it's like to try to disconnect the act itself from how it's received or whatever your end goals with it might be or any of that stuff, because that honestly, that's just a game of chance mm -hmm. and it's totally not up to you. And even if it was, it's not going to lead to happiness anyway. So just go for it. Shoot that shot, not because you're going to make the shot, but because the whole point is to shoot it. So good. I know. I, I always say that to people when they ask me about starting podcasts, I'm like, it's fine if you want your podcast to end up being a business and all these things, but like you have to start your podcast or whatever it is you want to do because you love doing that thing. It has to be because you love it first, because the end goal is not going to matter regardless as it is, if it's successful or not, if it's not something that you enjoy doing. So it's so, it's so true. I love that. Actually, we've, we've been recording our podcast and I've told David, it's like, even if we don't release these, like, I would just love to sit down and have a half hour conversation with you about journal articles or like whatever it is we prepared. And, you know, I'm really grateful that we've, you know, we said yes to the podcast. Oh yeah. I love it. I, most of my hardest laughs in the last few weeks have been jokes Megan has made on the podcast where I'm like totally taken by surprise. <laughs> by it. Um, and you know, you're in that heightened state of awareness, uh -huh. like, that everyone's in when you're on a podcast and I'm just like yes. absolutely blown away that I got so lucky to marry someone that like would, you know, would put themselves out there, but also just like blow my humor, humor out of the water. So I love it. I, I totally hear what you're saying there. My husband and I, uh, we record an episode a month on my Patreon page and every time we do it, I'm like, that was so fun. Like we just get to chat and talk and, 
you know, the people over there get to listen, but it ends up being just a really good time for the two of us to have uninterrupted conversation. That's awesome. Yeah. I was actually, I was telling David, I think I've learned like from the podcast and we've only done, I think we're on episode nine now, so we haven't done very many together, but I think we've actually gotten better at listening to each other because it's like, at first we started with like all these points. It was like, here's X, Y, and Z are going to hit. And I think we realized that like, if we just like free flow it, it works a lot better. And as a result, like I think we've been listening to each other more on the podcast, but also more in life too. And it's been fun to see that translate outside of the podcast setting. Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you, I mean, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Cause like structure is good, but if you like stick to that and especially cause you guys are doing those like strictly 30 minutes that leaves you not much room to like what just pops up. And sometimes the stuff that you just like randomly say that you think of on the spot ends up being the best material. And I think for us, like the unplanned jokes, it just feels like way more natural. Yeah, we're big fans of improv comedy, too. And, you know, just the idea that like a lot of the coolest moments happen. I mean, I would say most of life's really most magical moments don't happen with like a 10 point plan. Right. Um, and that's not just comedy or, or podcasts. It's everything. And that gets back to the, you know, the coaching that Megan was describing. It's like, think I am so lucky that I had no idea where it was going because I think mm-hmm. that that like allowed it to become this, this thing that, um, you know, I'm really proud of in a way that like, if I had tried to plan it all out, I probably would have undercut myself like 18 times over. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that probably goes for everything. Hey, everybody, a quick break to thank HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. HelloFresh offers so many recipes to choose from each week. HelloFresh offers contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. HelloFresh can help you eat more sustainably. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or recycled content. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. HelloFresh donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019, and this year is stepping up their food donations amid the coronavirus crisis. My family loves HelloFresh. It is such a relief when it shows up on the doorstep because I know I don't have to think about what I'm making for dinner. It helps us be more creative with what we make and it also gives me ideas for other meals to make. Uh, my favorite dish is an Israeli couscous dish that I think we had it like three months ago and it was so delicious. This is America's number one meal kit and you should check it out. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 80 another and use the code 80ANOTHER to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 80ANOTHER, and that's the number 80. And use the code 80ANOTHER to get a total of $80 off. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Megan and David Roach. I love that. Okay. Let's talk about some work all play. Give everybody just like the concept of what your coaching looks like. So adventure fast and lifelong support. So, you know, at the end of the day, we don't really care necessarily whether an athlete gets faster or accomplishes any of these, you know, goals that 
are maybe meaningful, but in the in the grand scheme of things, may not. Um, what we care about way more is that they're you know constantly putting themselves out there, getting vulnerable, um, and practicing their self belief, and then they can then bring that into other parts of life, whether that is you know, you're at a world championships and running for a pro athlete or an athlete that's doing their first 5k. And what I like to think about too, is that I refer to it as a co-coaching journey. So I like athletes to coach alongside with me in that journey, because I think like empowering athletes to learn the science, to understand the physiology, to ask why they're doing what they're doing helps with motivation to get out the door, but it also like helps them problem solve and troubleshoot in the moment. And I think for us, when we think back to swap, I think my greatest reflection is the fact that we've had a lot of swap athletes who've gone on to become coaches. And it's fun to see that, um, that offshoot happen. And I think it's like just a reflection of the fact that we do like it to be a co-coaching process. And it's just super cool that they find meaning in the relationship so that they want to try to do that for others too. And so that's one of our biggest joys now that, that we've had this time is like, let's try to lift up other coaches, um, not just the ones we coach, but all of them, because we think it can be so meaningful um, but the hardest part of coaching is getting started is all these other parts aren't necessarily like, you know, there's a huge barrier to entry and we're fortunate that we're at a place where hopefully we can try to help lift others up too. And that's why, you know, what you're doing is incredible and it's just really amazing that, you know, you've used your platform to lift others up, not just in this context, but so many. Oh, thank you. Um, how do you, when you intake an athlete, Obviously, yeah. you have to know all the physical stuff, like where your history is, what your goals are. But I think what you both are known for so much in your coaching is that mental side that you talked about and making sure that what we're doing, we're enjoying what we're doing, right? Why are we doing this if we're not enjoying it? So how do you intake an athlete as far as that side of the training goes, the mental side? Yeah. So we, we ask a series of questions in every intake form. And then our last question I think is especially powerful. So the last question is, and hopefully you can correct me. Yeah. I, it's been a little bit since I've onboarded an athlete, I've been full for a little bit, but it's, um, is there anything else you would tell a friend and then mm. question mark and then any demons question mark. And I think that's where we get some really informative answers. And I've been impressed with people's vulnerability right off the start of just answering that honestly. And I think it, it, it really drives the relationship, the coaching relationship forward. And, um, I think it's been it's been a meaningful question for us. And the main thing we want is that there's a background of confidentiality mm -hmm. um, with with what's being said um, and understanding that nothing they can do or say once, you know, once we're in the corner, that nothing they can do or say will get us out of it. Right. Like we're, we're in it. We're together. We're a team. Um, and so it's kind of like a reflection of what Megan and we've given each other, I think, where it's like, look, whatever you got going on, we got this. We're in this. Um, and you know, sometimes athletes are right off the bat, ready to talk about, you know, their mental health struggles, their divorces, whatever else they're going through. And other times it takes that building up of trust over time, but whatever it is, like the hope is, you know, whether it's a pro athlete or someone just starting out, they view us as just that, like that, that friend that is there, right. That they don't have to doubt their affection or support. Um, you know, we're trying to give true unconditional, like background, like a background beat of like, you got this, you are awesome. And as we work through this, we're not therapists, but we are really good at listening. And, and we have good therapists and nutritionists. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the nice things is that we build up this team over time that we can refer out to, which is nice. That's so important. I mean, when you're running this 
I mean, you guys have a lot of athletes. And so that's so important that you have all those people that you can just, I know exactly the person to refer you to. How do you um, help someone bring the joy back? That's a great question. So I think often when people come to us, like simply reaching out is one of those things that often really helps. Like I think, you know, it's it's really helpful for them to think about like starting this coaching journey. I think the other thing too is is that often we normalize it. Like not having constant joy is something that's very normal. Like mm-hmm. honestly, like I mean, for us, like we're pretty joyful people, and I would say that eighty percent of our runs are joyful. Maybe less than that. David's giving me a look. <laughs> I've touched. I, joy is great, but I don't want athletes seeking joy. I want athletes seeking joy, dismay, like enthusiasm, despair. Like, you know, we want running. I mean, it's cliche, but we want running to be a metaphor in their lives, right? Like if running is just running for joy, like it's always you're happy or whatever, you know, like our book title was like, that is always going to end badly eventually. Well, I think I'd also make the argument too, that you can't truly know joy or happy until you've experienced the converse. And so I think, again, just like normalizing that to athletes, like, Hey, this is like the full range of emotions you're going to go through as an athlete. And it's totally normal. Yeah, And what's so cool about running is you step into that fire and after you emerge from the fire, what can't you do? So like, that's, that's what we want to emphasize. It's like, yeah, some of the athletes on the team are super freaking fast. But what, what we're really proud of for them is not that they won a race, it's that they showed up anyway. They put themselves out there and anyone can do that, whether it's, you know, you're trying to win or you're just trying to see what you're capable of at age 80. Um, and that each can be celebrated as close to equally as you can in the context of like, you know, still having a business that has to have a website and things like that. <laughs> You know, I feel like there's a lot of head cases out there like, oh, I'm scared of my speed work. I'm scared of my intervals. Like I'm terrified to race because people are just scared of the pain, you know, they're, or they're afraid that they're going to quit, not quit, but like slow down when they don't need to slow down, you know? So how do you coach people through that kind of stuff? Well, I think if I would say first, if you're not afraid, you are not thinking hard enough. Um, And that's not just about running. That is about relationships that is about recording a podcast that is about almost everything you can possibly do in life that like you know the human condition is this background element of fear and uncertainty or uncertainty that then you know we interpret as fear and so what we really try to emphasize is disconnect uncertainty from fear right like yeah you don't know how your workout's going to go yeah you don't know how your race is going to go yeah you don't know anything in life really the things we control are so much more limited than our brains want us to think but that doesn't mean we we need to be scared of it That means it can be something that becomes this like uplifting thing that we share with others. And, you know, um, I've personally, like before I met Megan, I was afraid of so many things. And what she gave me was a net under my tightrope. So, yeah, I'm on a tightrope, but there's a net right there. Um, And that's kind of what running is. You're on a tightrope. Like, who knows what's going to happen? But there's a net. It's all good. It's going to end okay. And I think the other two things that we do are just emphasizing the long-term process Mm -hmm. and then keeping it simple within that long-term process. So really emphasizing like this one race is just a stepping stone for the next three years. Like it's not, this one race is not a judgment. It's not a test. It's a chance to just get to the starting line and get out there and have some fun. And same with workouts. And um, I think athletes embrace thinking like that. And then just keeping, like, we really keep our workouts simple. So everything's done by time as opposed to distance. Um, so instead of having go- athletes go to the track and like hammer six by one minute or six by six by mile, we'll, we'll send them and do like, you know, four by five minutes or something that's just like a little bit easier in that context. Well, this reminds me, Megan sometimes makes playlists for me for like hard workouts I do. So she's my coach. 
And um, she knew I was going up the really high altitude to do a workout. And one of the songs on the workout was, I think it was AJR or whatever. Um, but one of the lines in there was like, a hundred bad days make a hundred good stories and a hundred good stories make me interesting at parties. Um, and that's part of what we want to say is that, you know, it's about the bad stories too. That's so good. I love that. That makes you interesting at parties. Okay. Can we find these playlists? Because I want the playlist. Actually, that's funny. And this is highly relevant. So we just talked on our, on our podcast about the possibility of releasing a playlist. So oh. we are, we are definitely going to put one together and I think it's going to start with space jam. Um, uh-huh. and then it will get more serious and more sophisticated from there. Well, mine would just be WAP W like 400 times. So <laughs> Meg- exact pronunciation of that. Yeah. Megan's going to be in We're charge. We're going to Google of- that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. Don't Google that at home. Um, unless you have safe search on. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, I'm out I love that too, though. I, when I get on a song, I, and especially if I'm doing like a hard workout and it's like, that song is just doing it for me. Yes. Replay it like five, six times at least, because that'll, that'll get me going. I get that. Um, I love that. So do you always listen to music when you run? Sometimes. I mean, we mix it up. Like I don't use it for the hardest efforts just because I'm not present with it anyway. Um, I listen, I listen to music all the time. Actually. Um, I recently got bone conduction headphones, which are kind of game cha- game changing. I like to hear my own breath and the music, but I would say that even though I listen to music all the time, I probably only hear it half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, my mind is either focused or, you know, not focused or doing other things. And so it's nice to kind of have that like tune in and tune out to the music. Yeah. I, I wear the bone conduction too. I feel, I just feel so much safer when I use those instead of like an AirPod or whatever. Um, okay. So how do you decide who coaches who, when an athlete reaches out to you guys for coaching? Oh, there's no, there's no science to that. (laughs) Um, you know, I think we take generally similar approaches on pretty much everything. I think over time we've kind of grown like up, like kind of like those, those plants that kind of grow up with each other. Um, so as a result, it ends up being like, you know, personality fit, but mostly just capacity. I mean, Megan does a lot of research projects and other things. um, and I'm, mainly coaching. So that's often the way it works out. But, you know, I would trust Megan with my life, let alone like any athlete in the world. So it's just a totally random distribution. I think for whatever reason, I happen to coach a number of physicians and scientists as well. It seems like when they reach out, I'm like, Oh, I'll take them on. But it's nice because I've made this joke before. It's like, if I ever need a GI consult or a dermatologist (laughs) or like a surgeon, I'm like, I got my swap team. That's true. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So then talk about the community side of things. Like how do you guys connect your athletes with one another and things like that? So that was also another thing that I'm glad we didn't think about at first. What what happened is, you know, we started coaching people and we used to connect via email and things like that. And eventually uh, the community, mem- people in the community themselves, like self-created like a Facebook group mm. um, and then self-created a Strava group. And those ended up being the hubs. So as much as like connecting directly to Facebook is kind of, you know, awkward in the modern day, it's been the most uplifting place I've ever seen. And through that, um, like, you know, the private group, people have made some like their best friends and, and partners. But yeah, tons of partners. Yeah, we've really? Had, uh, we've actually joked that we should start a Some Work I'll Play dating website because we've had some great relationships form. But it also scares me to death because I'm like, I, I just want everyone to be happy. And what happens if this doesn't end? But you <laughs> no. know, it, it doesn't always end well. So, um, but we've had that. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a super interesting thing that, you know, hopefully what we're trying to do is in the process of being unapologetic about things like exclamation points, saying you are amazing, 
um, you know, not being shy about owning what you're proud of, like that other people can then try to bring that into their own lives. And hopefully when they meet, like it also creates like a similar vibe there. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that that is, is hopefully something we can broaden out beyond what even we're doing. And like with whoever, you know, we can only coach so many people. It's like, well, then they'll coach people or they'll meet mm. people and they'll tell them they are amazing. And like, not just like they are amazing as a passing thing, but like they are amazing with a ton behind it. Um, so, I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do, but you know, everyone uses it differently. It's like some people are so engaged and other people like, you know, it's just us. And that's also super meaningful in its own way. I love that. That's so good. How have you guys changed things just in the last few months with COVID and life being so weird right now? I think just being a lot more flexible. Uh, so right now we have athletes. I mean, most athletes are not training for races just because races are kind of all over the place. And so just emphasizing to athletes that right now is a chance to like aerobically rebuild, to be flexible, to gain that like the appreciation of the long-term process. And it, it looks different for every athlete. And I think that's been kind of like the underscore of all our coaching is, is that like every athlete is so different in like our approach. Like, I don't think we have one holistic coaching approach that applies to everyone because everyone is just so different. Yeah. So training methodology has definitely changed as Megan indicated, like much more of a focus on, you know, what it means to get aerobic development and running economy feet back. But I think more than I was thinking about it as, as uh, Lindsay was asking the question and I'm like, we kind of cornered the market on this, this, this demographic, because like our book, the first chapter is like screw results, right? It's all about process and like all these things. And I'm like, well, COVID sucks, but at least we didn't say all that matters is races because we'd be like, Oh, wait, wait, <laughs> we take it back. That's true. You guys better be pushing that book right now. Oh yeah. No, I, I think it's sold enough copies. <laughs> I don't know if Megan agrees with me, but I think your mom probably bought most of the copies. They're probably like chilling in her basement. I don't know. I think that, you know, it, it sold way more than we were, we were ever expecting. And as a result though, it also gives us heart palpitations sometimes. That's true. These were like, we were different people when we wrote that. And, uh -huh. um, no, I mean, yeah, every once in a while, a mentor or something will tell me they read the book. Yeah, yeah. Like, you did what? Like, <laughs> I have read the book in my current form. Um, but, I, you know, it, yeah, it, I totally know what you mean. But that being said, like, e even though we're joking, we also, it gets back to like, we do own it. Like, we, yeah, yeah. we're really proud sure, of sure. not just that, but like, you know. Just we try to we try to really emphasize that the celebration aspect to everyone we're around. Like it's still horrifying though to put yourself out there. Oh my god, you better believe yeah. it every day. I can imagine. I mean, it's like I always tell people when they, they listen to this podcast, I'm like, do not listen to the first 50 episodes. Don't <laughs> listen to the first hundred episodes. Don't do it because you do change. Like you evolve as a person, you evolve as a writer, your methodologies and coaching, everything you ever, you're constantly growing. So of course, something you did or said or wrote four years ago is going to look different than how you would say it right now. And um, I love that. I think the the growth element is one of the coolest things about being a coach. And every coach probably gets it. You get this zoomed out view of a bunch of different lives. Um, and you're super invested in those lives. And as a result, you see people go through everything that you could ever imagine. And their courage and strength and also just how much they change over time gives you this like kind of laid back wisdom. It's almost like why why Buddha is smiling, you know? It's because Buddha is like, I get that. That sucks right now, but it'll be okay. Um, or whatever it is what it is. And so, um, you know, I think that's a really cool thing about getting to be a coach and, and why it's like the biggest honor that people would ever let us into their lives. 
Okay, so you were talking about how you kind of changed up things a little bit with with how things are with COVID and no races on the schedule. Talk about, I heard you guys talk about this. I don't know if it was the most recent podcast you did, but it was one of the last three or four. Um, talking about not overworking yourself, like not trying to be like in the fittest tip top shape at all times, but how just simply, you know, keeping up that consistent running is, is really good for what your fitness will be, you know, next season or next year. Yeah. So, you know, when you're thinking about long-term growth, there are two big risks and, um, to, to really emphasize the first is burning out. So like a general overarching psychological framework, um, that we're all in, like, there's no inherent, like, worth in being a runner over doing other things with your life. So we're not saying you need to run, but we really want you to, right? And, um, you know, the biggest risk is just falling off and being like, this isn't the life for me. Um, and so that's the first thing to guard against. The second is burning up, I'm going to call it, um, which is talking about the actual physiological processes that could happen if you, if you know, if you overdo it. Um, overtraining syndrome being the most obvious one, but far short of that, you know, we're seeing things like, how, you know, eat, making sure people eat enough, rest enough, um, training easy enough, uh, feeding back into hormone production, um, into, you know, cortisol, into cellular level damage that can be undone, um, but has a much longer tail than we like it to. Um, so those are the first two elements. Um, and so what we really focus on in that context is one, you know, as much aerobic volume as you're comfortable with cross training, uh, you know, easy running, all that. And two is, this is a great time to like embrace your speed, embrace your athlete. Um, so, you know, our team, like if, if there's one thing that our training could be characterized as, you know, that Megan was getting to, it's a heavy emphasis on, we want people to be their fastest self year round. That doesn't mean their fast, best racing mile self. So, like we want people to be confident that they can, you know, do quick strides, um, stay in touch with their true athletic nature. Um, and that really lets these feedback cycles start where aerobic development feeds back into biomechanical neuro, biomechanical neuromuscular development um, and can create over three or four years an athlete that is nothing like the athlete that began. And, what, I'm, yeah. what I'm really interested in is using these cycles to create resiliency and build longevity. So what I emphasize with athletes is that like, you know, periods of time where you're focusing less on running volume, perhaps right now during COVID, is a great time to work the biomechanics, to build the strength, to like support that overall foundation to give you more confidence as a resilient runner. And I think in turn, like I love thinking about longevity in, in athletes and in runners. And some of the athletes that I've seen have strongest longevity are those period are those athletes who embrace the down periods who embrace the rest days. And I love emphasizing that to athletes because who doesn't want to run until they're 80, you know, yeah. it's like, it's such a fun sport. And, you know, I think the longevity element of it, it's so key. So does everyone on our team take a rest day now? I think so. Mm -hmm. uh, like a, a rest day a week. Um, and that includes like, you know, very, at least, you know, very, very top professional runners. Um, it's one of the places that we've learned just not to compromise. Like every um, runner. Yeah. At least one. Um, and, and many, even some pros take two, like two rest or, you know, one is a cross training day and it just gets back to like, when we're talking about the, the risk of pushing into the burn, into that fire is way greater than whatever benefit you might possibly get though. That could be debated too, by, you know, adding a little bit more. Um, and so we just like, let's stay away from the fire. Like, that's what we want to avoid. You know, all runners will step into it eventually. Like, it's a part of the game. But, like, when you're talking about longevity, like Megan was getting at, 
it's all about that process. Well, I think real quick too, it's become a non-compromise point yeah. in terms of joining the team. Like you have to be willing to accept that rest day to join SWAP. Especially with pros. It's and like, I think people yeah. people sometimes are resistant against it at first and then they come to love it. Yeah, I mean, some of our, our only bad experiences with pro runners has been people that that really re- that don't do that. And I think it, where I've grown is being a little bit more confident. Like I, I in the old days, I, I want people to be so happy so much that sometimes mm. I would take the feedback um, from people and incorporated in ways that weren't true, you know, to the scientific knowledge Megan has helped with. And also just our understanding of, you know, how systems work over time. Um, so now we'll still com- we'll compromise on some things, but there are a few points that are just like stone cold. We cannot like, that is just a place where it's, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Wow. I fe- I feel like a lot of athletes would be like, thank God. Like I want that rest day. Now, when you say rest day, is it complete rest or do you allow them to cross train? Often it does involve some almost, cross almost training. All, but yeah. it's almost all complete rest. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah, they can walk around, they walk around. Like we want you to live your life and be active and things, but you know, if biking is great, but that type of compulsion of like needing to constantly mm-hmm. scratch an itch, one, it's a lot psychologically, but two, it has the same hormonal impacts as running does. Hmm. Um, and you know what we want, we want athletes to feel good almost all the time and be their healthiest self. And so having that backstop of insurance of a day where you can just reset is worth it. Even if you feel a little bit crappier the next day, like you, you turn the clock forward three months and especially three years, and you're probably going to be thankful you took those. Wow. It's so refreshing to hear. Can you talk about the hormone balance a little bit more and why that's important? Those rest days are so important to that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been a lot of recent studies that have come out on this. Um, and essentially what, what they get at is that taking stress away from the body in any form, um, is a key element in how hormones balance over time. So there's a lot of examples of that. The main, main ones being with cortisol, um, and stress hormone, which almost all running will produce to some extent. Um, the other is as you look at like fueling, so glycogen availability, the most fascinating studies I've seen recently are with on within day energy deficits. And I think this might be important to some people listening. So I'll just tease it out a little bit. Megan, just cut me off. Um, when you have anything that's more important than what I'm saying. Um, and so what those studies looked at is they controlled for daily caloric intake, um, and looked at how, what percentage of those days were people in deficit. So even with the same amount of calorie intake, uh, being in deficit for longer periods of time, even though those periods of time were not that great in relation to the overall portion of the day, caused these massive hormonal perturbations, which for, for female athletes, you know, led to menstrual cycle disturbance, and for male athletes led to sex drive issues and testosterone issues. Um, and that's like stress defined in a very unique way. Um, and when we're looking at rest days, we're essentially looking at a similar concept. It's like by taking the stress off, you're not just letting your body rebuild glycogen, you're, you know, actually allowing things to heal on a cellular level. What I think is interesting though, about those studies is it gets at the field of field of exercise physiology in general, where you're isolating one variable in a very controlled set of of settings. And it's hard to generalize that to the rest of the population because you're just looking at these very minute things. What I emphasize to athletes is that like, 
the rest of life also feeds into this equation too. And that's not being measured yeah. in the exercise physiology study. So it's like, you know, you stay up late one night because you're a parent and that produces cortisol. You're working a busy job that produces cortisol or like maybe your job makes it so that it's difficult to get in that consistent snacking to have that positive energy balance. And so I really emphasize that it's just like, it's thinking about like life also in the context of training and rest days help create that buffer for the rest of life yeah, as well. Maybe a rest day for some athletes is like, a 20% risk for like a really high injury, high, high injury rate athlete. Maybe for other athletes, it's a 0.001% risk, but our general thinking is let's just control risk. Like, you know, while we want to go for it, we want to shoot those shots. We want to shoot the shots when they count, you know, like we want to make the days we do be fun and uplifting and joyous. But like, if we can control even a little bit of risk with almost no downside, let's do it. Wow. That was good. You guys schooled us. I love that. <laughs> What do you do for injury prone athletes? Like, do you guys have a pretty strong, like cross training ideals and things like that? I'm the type of person that I have found that if I run five plus days a week, like I'm something's going to get injured. It's just going to happen. Um, even if I'm doing strength training and, and whatnot. So I've just found like, I think coming, I'm coming off a recent injury, which is so annoying. Um, I just ran for like eight minutes today. It was wonderful. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it felt good. I did like two minutes running, one minute walking for 15 minutes or something like that. But um, yeah, I think that coming off that, I'm just like, I think four days is my max. Like, I don't know what if there's any specific science to that. Um, And I enjoy biking and doing other things. So I I get in these cycles though where I want to run more because I love feeling fit and I love I think my happiest place is probably five days a week, you know, but, um, yeah. How do you deal with athletes that are kind of injury prone? Yeah, I think just starting with normalizing it. So I look at the genetics of sports injury and there's still so much to be learned in this field, but just really emphasizing that, like that being injury prone is not necessarily your fault. And in many cases is definitely not your fault. You know what I mean? And so just normalizing that to athletes and saying like, Hey, this is just something that we're going to work around and we're going to find joy in cross training. And I think athletes, we've had a number of athletes who train on four or five days a week, um, do well in ultra running, do well on the roads. And I think like athletes seeing other athletes doing that has helped in the process. And so we have a few different formulas that we use for biking. So we emphasize a lot of high cadence, high RPM intervals mm-hmm. on the bike. And we find that translates well to the run just because it seems to reinforce some of those neuromuscular patterns. So that's something that we emphasize. Um, we see athletes who have success with the elliptical swimming, all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, in cross training and, and just not, you don't need to run as much as like you know, maybe like once a runner, the book told you, you need to run. I mean, we're, we're, we are big fans of high volume for some of our athletes. Like there are some athletes on the team that do like the classic heavy training that, that, you know, there are others, Scotty Hawker last year, third at UTMB for those that don't know is a 106 mile race. One of the biggest in the world, um, on 42 miles a week, four or five days a week. Wow. And like at, at, you know, in his late thirties and the idea being like, different things work for everyone. And it's much less about your, your body doesn't know the number of miles you're doing. It knows the stress it's under. So your body doesn't know miles, it knows stress. And so when it comes to your stress, like four days a week, a little bit, one or two days of cross training and a rest day, your body can adapt to almost its maximal level, probably its absolute max. And that's freaking awesome. And the hard part is embracing it, understanding that like, the process of being an athlete doesn't mean hitting numbers. It means like feeling confident and, you know, your ability to, to get out there and do these things. And then 
when you get injured, it's like, it gets back to the shooting your shot thing. Like injury is a product of shooting your shot. Like we, if anything, we want athletes to celebrate injury, even as they try to, you know, take steps to avoid it in the future, because it means like, you know, you're not getting injured on the couch. So putting yourself out there is, is something we always want people to be like, heck yeah, I did. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I can't remember if it was Claire. I think it was Claire Gallagher that I, when I interviewed her, like I was surprised at how low her mileage was in training. Yeah. You know, and a lot of it gets back to background and genetics, right? Like sure. we don't want to over, we don't want to oversell like what Claire did because Claire, I mean, I've just, before, Claire is an N of Claire is an N of one and she's an N of fiery one. Like she's an amazing yeah, human. She could probably be coached by a magic eight ball. Um, <laughs> but I mean, on a, on a broader scale, like, you know, Kat Drew last year was top 10 at Western States on 48 miles a week. Like, you know, and that's a hundred miler. And we've had athletes run, you know, blazing fast, like trials level, you know, track races on very, very low volume. Um, and, and the idea being like, you know, volume is one way to get at adaptations, but there are many ways to get at similar adaptations. Um, and like not to pigeonhole yourself in like what someone else is doing, because that comparison game might not just be counterproductive for you. It might be like actively destructive to your long-term growth. Um, yeah. And just emphasizing consistency too. Like yeah. I would rather an athlete hit 30 or 40 miles a week, like consistently than have like 80, then zero, then 80, then zero. And I think reinforcing that to athletes is also helpful too. Yeah. And growth is nonlinear in general. Like the, the things that we've seen over time from beginners to pros, it's like, you can't predict based on the, the background training that you see on Strava necessarily, um, though you get a little better at it with time. And so, you know, even as coaches, we're like, we don't have control over the certainty elements of this. So in the face of that uncertainty, we mainly want to focus on, is this person fulfilled or are they happy or whatever you want to call that phrase? And is this person not destroying themselves? If you control those two variables, people will get very close to their ceiling over time, over the course of many years. Um, but most people don't get to that many years point, right? Like the, the point of going all in for an extended period of time. Um, and so, you know, when we're talking about putting your chips on the table, it might not mean like sacrificing everything you ever have, just putting a few in at a time. And over time you'll be like, crap, I went all in. It just took, you know, a few years. Oh, wow. Okay. So when you talk about, when we were talking about the, um, burn up, burning up and the hormones and keeping everything like the stress and everything, do you guys talk to your athletes about that? Um, Megan, you were talking about life in general, like you stayed up late cause you're a baby or whatever. Do you talk to them about like, Hey, you need to put work down for a day and like take a day off mentally as well. We've definitely had that conversation. I think it's often, it's pretty obvious in the logs and sometimes it's not explicitly stated, but you can just kind of see the general trend of, you know, whether, and we know, I feel like we know athletes so well at this point that sometimes it comes out and even just like minor comments about frustrations or things like that. And I, what I love about coaching is just pattern recognition over time. And I think that's a, a very interesting pattern recognition is to sense when someone just needs that day off, whether it's work or running or whatever it may be. I mean, Megan did that for me this weekend. Like, like I, I hadn't, I haven't taken a day off. Like I wouldn't call it work, but whatever you, you call it. You still answered emails though. So it's a, <laughs> day off with an asterisk. But for me, it was, it really felt like a day off yes. um, on Sunday for the first time in ages. And, um, you know, like, and so it was really cool, actually. Like I, I checked back into the logs on Monday and athletes were like, David, it really was amazing that you weren't, you, you just took a day. Um, and it was really meaningful to me, but it's like, um, you know, a lot of this stuff, everything we're saying is easier said than done. Sure. Um, 
but you know, what our, our goal is to have athletes understand their own stress a little bit more, um, and be like, I am not a weak person because I am stressed. I am a human and the human being a human is what it's all about. We don't want to coach machines. And then before we do into podcast questions, I just want to hear you talk a little bit about, um, looking at the big picture as far as, you know, this is just running, even though we want to work hard and kill some fast times and do all the things like in the grand scheme of life, it's just running. Yeah. So I think we use, I think in coaching, we use running as a proxy for life often. And I think when we look at the big picture, I think we often encourage athletes to take risks with running because I think it fosters that risk taking in life that like allows people to feel fulfilled, allows people to feel like they're going for it. And that like just brings that overall satisfaction. And so I think that's like a big area that we emphasize with the big picture is just like, as David said before, shoot your shot, go for it. And the reason we emphasize that so much that it's a quote from an author named Shay Serrano, or at least that's how we came across it. And I think it just emphasizes the personality and perspective we want athletes to have related to their athletic lives. And hopefully it extends to other things too. It's like, I'm not putting pressure on myself. Like I'm just going down and I'm just shooting my shot. Like, and the point isn't that, you know, making it or not matters. The point is that that self-belief practice of thinking of taking the shot and thinking it's going to go in and be, even though you only make so many, that's what it's about. And that like, you know, we're only here for a short period of time. It's all relatively meaningless if you dig down deep enough into its core not just running but other things too and so the great power is like raging against the dark night and that's what that's what we're doing with shooting our shot it's like take that dark night see what i can do as a human i can shoot this shot even though you know i know where it all ends anyway i love it all right guys what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet david's pointing at me i am pointing at her megan first I would like to do Western States 100. I like that answer. Um, I, you know, Lindsay, you've motivated me. I'd like to write another book, but something not about running. Um, You know, I, I, I'd like to hopefully shoot my own shot in an uncomfortable way that I leads to nothing and, and practice some of my own advice. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm excited. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? I think for me, my decision not to go to medical residency, um, it's a journey that not a lot of medical students take. And it was one that was very scary for a couple of months mm-hmm. and just feeling proud of taking that risk. Yeah. And for me, it's just being willing to put that little janky blog spot website up there all those years ago and find that like my calling was in a totally different direction than I thought. And being like, I don't care that I have $200,000 of student loans or, or whatever that like this path, like as you know, as Megan pointed out, we just watched this movie Palm Springs on Hulu, which is amazing. Um, but the idea at the end is like, you know, having a buddy through this crazy thing that just goes in circles is part of the idea. And so Megan gave me that courage. And so thank you. Is it a feel good movie? Yes, it is a very feel good movie. Yeah. And it's fun. A feel good movie is kind of our jam. The listeners will probably know, but the montage scene in that movie we were laughing so uncontrollably hard. I think we peed all over the couch. <laughs> well, that's the only kind of show I'm willing to watch like before bed, which is why my husband and I like watch shows in different rooms because he likes to watch like The Leftovers and like all of this like deep, dark stuff. And I just uh, parry something or another right now. I don't know. Oh. And, do you know what I'm talking about? What movie I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I think Perry Mason. I think he would Perry love Mason. this like, because it's it. It does have its dark moments. It is a deeper story. It's very, it has leftovers elements to it, but it all, when it, I mean, I don't want to give away the ending. I'll just say <laughs> you'll like it too. Really? Okay. 
Yeah. I think he's all caught up though. And I'm like, man, he, he always tells me, he's like, if I could change one thing about you, it would be that you would be a better TV and movie watcher. <laughs> I love that. It's, I empathize with you. It's hard. I feel like I get to that time of night and I'm like, just give me something that's joyful and uplifting yes. and I'm not going to carry into nightmares. We've, so been, I really, hear you on we've that. been really into yes. Scrubs. We rewatched Scrubs. Oh, that's fun. And there's a podcast along with Scrubs, Fake Doctors, Real Friends by the stars. It is the ultimate joy in my life. So if you're looking for something to just like start it new and have a podcast that you can listen to when you run, I today, for example, I was laughing so hard on my run that I had to stop at the podcast. So okay. it's a good thing. I never got into Scrubs, so maybe that'll be because I I literally I retweeted someone the other day. They said I finished Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that so hard. At least all of the Netflix that I want to watch, like All American, Outer Banks, like all the fun, like just, you know, uh, comedy, drama type shows. Um, Okay. Who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? I like this question. So my initial thought was Michelle Obama because she's brilliant and I love the career swerves that she's made. But something in the back of my mind is now saying Michelle Wolf, uh, wow. who is a great comedian, super funny, and an ultra runner, which is why I chose that because I feel like there's a lot of connections we could talk about. Yeah, I know. We need to get her in somewhere called Play. Maybe someone listening will, will know her personally. If anyone knows Michelle Wolf, let her know we are out here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And her, her most recent comedy special was amazing. She is so great. Um, mine will be Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, I just like the way he brings, I mean, he's clearly brilliant, but the way he brings that complexity into the world with such love and acceptance, I think is like, it's such a courageous thing for him to do, you know, like it's so much easier to see the honesty of the world and come out jaded or, or whatever. And he chooses to do the opposite. And that would, I think that would be really cool. Actually, him and Shea Serrano at the same table, I'd be in heaven. I just would be we're hyperventilating. Both, we're both cheating and choosing multiple yeah. people. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say Lizzo. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, this, she, yeah, exactly. I think Lizzo would be, uh, yeah, she's also brilliant. I, I mean, all these people are so cool. I think basically Megan and I would love to answer a billion people right now. It's one of our favorite things in the world is to- We play this game a lot. Have dinner with people and just like- talk about anything. I mean, that's what our podcast is essentially is our dinner conversation recorded. I think everybody listening needs to come at me because I've never seen Hamilton. I didn't even watch it when it came out on Netflix or wherever it came out, Disney. And I've never listened to the musical. I've never oh, listened well, to it. Well, you know, the thing is though, you're saving a it's present. Okay. All, we all opened our presents what years ago for the most part. At some point you'll be like 65 and you'll be like, you know what? They always said, I think it's overrated, but I, and then you listen to it and your, your ears will blow out of your skull and you'll be like, man, well, that was amazing. And so we'll all be jealous at that point. Oh, that's such such a good way to look at it. I know one of my favorite podcasts, the Popcast, they did a, they do like breakdowns of different pop culture things. And they did a whole episode on Hamilton and it did make me kind of want to watch or listen or you know whatever because the one the one there's three of them on the show and the one guy he was the skeptic and he's like it's so good I can't even like I can't even talk about it so it's great running music we've done we've been at lactate threshold a lot to Hamilton and it gets back to the creative process I think that's why it resonates so much with us is like how Lin-Manuel Miranda put himself out there and created this thing that makes no freaking sense we are not musical people um it is not our style at all like and it, it's, I mean, it's objectively brilliant whether we like it or not. And it, it's just such a lesson of being like, 
I mean, talk about shooting your shot. I heard that for the first time. It took me a year to listen to it the first time because I was like, that is the most musical theater thing I've ever heard. Um, and it turns out that, oh no, it's just like the most honest piece of art that like anyone's created in our time. Okay, maybe my goal will be before the episode gets published to watch it. Oh, is it still on Disney Plus? Can I still get it? Can I yeah. still? Yeah. Okay, it's still there. Okay. Um, let's see. Where are we? Okay. What's the best, most recent book you've read? So the last book I read was by Issa Rae, who's a comedian, and um, she is on HBO's Insecure, and she wrote the book The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, and it is funny. It's really good. And I think in the, in, in light of the recent black lives matter movement, I just have a lot of education and learning to do. And this was like a fun comedic way to learn from her. And I was really grateful for that. I love that. Um, I'm going to go girls running by Melody Fairchild and Elizabeth Carey, which I don't know when this comes out, but it, today, but, but when the podcast, comes oh, when out. The comes out, okay. <laughs> I don't want to date the podcast. Um, but you know, it's a, it's just a really great look at, uh, uh, stories that need to be told and need to be shared more often. So, um, I also love Elizabeth and Melody. So plug for girls running. I love that. Actually, Emma, who you, well, you guys have been emailing with her, my production assistant, she actually texted me and said that she would be a good guest on the show. Melody. Oh yeah. She'd be great. Her story. I, I love her story. And she's just such an engaging, warm person that I think she, she'd be. You actually, you have a story with her, right? Like back oh, yeah, in, we raised each other at Leadville and I didn't know who she was. And I was like, who is this but, person? And then after, so to give you an idea of who Mel, how Melody is like, um, so after the Leadville race, she was like, Megan, you should go to the mountain running championships. Right. Like in the mountain running championships, kind of from there, our whole lives changed because we really got exposed to a world we hadn't been in as much before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know if she even knows that story, but. Oh, yeah. that she was like part of you guys exploring that part of your journey. Yeah. And knows? she was, and she was so inspirational about mountain and trail running in general that yeah. I think it just like, and her warm soul, we were like, we must go to the mountain running championships after she told us this. Yeah. And you know, who knows where summer call play would be now. And it gets back to the butterfly effect of all the different people in your lives where, you know, one little thing can make so much difference without it necessarily being a seismic shift in what you do or how you do it. Um, and so, yeah, we hope to be that spark for as many people as we can, even if it doesn't catch, like the more sparks we can light, the better. That's so cool. I love that. Um, yeah. And it's August 11th today when we're recording this, I'm not sure when it's dropping either, but that means the book is out so you can get it. I think it's dropping, um, the day after you watch Hamilton. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I've got a lot of reading, listening, watching. I've got a lot to do. Um, <laughs> it is one of my favorite things about the podcast, though, is when I ask the book question because I've, I always get really good recommendations and it's fun. Uh, okay, here it is. What's your one message to send to the world? My one message, I, I'm actually going to pop for you because I'm going to think about this one more. You are freaking amazing. Like, and, and you are amazing doesn't mean that you're achieving something or, or whatever. It means that you're out there and, and you know, your spirit is shining, however it's shining. And there's so much beauty in that. And like, yeah, we want to delve into all these questions of meaning, but you know, at the end of the day, who the hell knows, you know, what, what actually, what we do know is that we're in this thing, whatever it actually is together. And by like lifting each other up and trying to accept our own beauty, like that's, that's where the magic of actually being alive comes. 
And I'm going to follow that with you are enough, which we say often, and it's kind of the theme of our book, but I think it's just such an important thing to keep reemphasizing. And I think I'll add to that too, is that you are enough, even if you don't think you're enough all of the time, because I think a lot of times athletes, like it's, it's very normal to wake up and look in the mirror and just be like, I'm having a hard time today. And like, just knowing that like you're enough throughout that journey, even if you don't always think it, I think is an important thing. Yeah. And talk to a therapist. Yeah. That's a final, final message. Um, yeah, we, we appreciate you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That was so fun. That yeah. was awesome. We That was a really fun conversation. It's so crazy to get to connect with you after everything, but after everything, you know, being listening to you before and everything. But um, yeah, it's it's an honor and um, you're amazing at what you do oh, and thanks. it means a lot to us. And it's one of our inspirations for actually podcasting ourselves. So thank you. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, I'm excited. I didn't even know. I mean, it was before I saw the email that you mentioned in the podcast, you know, that you have the podcast, I had searched you on podcast to see like, oh, I'm going to listen to them on some episode, other people's shows to like, just get a feel for your personality and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, they actually have their own podcast. So I'm excited. And I think you guys are brilliant to do the 30 minutes because it really is like a perfect amount of time. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, it's funny because we often, we get to 28 minutes and we're like, oh my gosh, we, we have like so much to cover, but I think it's, I think it's good for us. Well, yeah. it gets back to your advice, which is like, don't like, we're not, the podcast for us is never, it's a fun thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, if it, if it becomes something else, maybe that would be great five years from now, but it's not going to anytime soon. So for us, it's like, well, that's the, the least barrier to entry is just sitting down at a computer for a half hour and getting to spend time with each other at 2 p.m. as opposed to 6 p.m. So good. Um, well, you guys have fun. Tell Amelia I say hello. And yes. um, yeah, this is this has been great. And it's so it's so unique and different. The other coaches I have so far are um, Andrew Castor, Shayla yeah. Houlihan. Oh, um, yeah. And why is my mind drawing a blank? Oh, Marisa, Marisa Powell. She's like, she's a coach at the university of Washington. So it's all very different people coaching different kinds of athletes. And it's super fun. It's a really fun addition. Well, it's, it's an honor to be it's, included. It's, I was going to say, wow, we are, we feel honored. And yeah. Whenever, <laughs> whenever that happens, it's still a little bit like, um, you know, a through the looking glass moment. Well, I love Marisa Powell's amazing. So and, I, and all I, of them are, and, and it's just one of those yeah. moments where it's like, she is, she particular. I was, I'm excited. You know, to if, you that, told, yeah. if you told, if you told us, if you told us all those years ago, we'd be like, whoa. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Marisa, her interview, it was so good. And we had to cut off and I was like, we could stop here, but can we like reschedule for the last 50? Cause you know, we have like 50 minutes or something, but she was so on fire that I was like, we have to finish this. Like we have to do more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's a good one. I was really excited about her episode. I finished and I was like, I think that's one of the best interviews I've ever done. And my husband always laughs at me. He's like, you have recency bias every time you get off an interview. You always say that. In my mind, that's my favorite type of bias, though. Yeah, that's Megan, right. That's the best dinner I've ever eaten. Oh, all yes. the time. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Most yeah. nice. Yep, I think it's a great personality characteristic. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, you guys have a good night. It's You're amazing. amazing. Take care. Yeah, Thank see you later. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, David and Megan, for coming on the podcast. Make sure you all give them a follow on social media. Megan is Meg underscore runs underscore happy. And David is Addy does stuff on Instagram. You can check out their coaching services when you go to swaprunning.com. That's S-W-A-P running.com. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. 
Don't forget to register for the Donna Marathon Weekend or that 5K that's coming up October 24th, the Players Donna 5K. I'm so excited to test out what I can do a 5K in October 24th. You can register for that Fearless Series to participate in all three of the events and earn an additional medal. Most importantly, when you register for these events, you're supporting the Donna Foundation, which just does incredible work. So go to breastcancermarathon.com for more information and use the code LINDSAY5 for $5 off your registration. All right, friends, I appreciate you being here. David and Megan, we have an extra 25 minutes with them over on Patreon, 2025 minutes, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. You can support this podcast and get access to additional episodes just like that over there. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And um, we've got two other shows in our network, the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network that I created last year, the Up and Running podcast with Lauren Flores and Abby Stanley, and the Illuminate podcast hosted by myself and rotating hosts who happen to be my friends. Kristen Sruer and Emma Benner. All right, friends, have a really great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.